Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and occasionally some TV and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Iron Fist Season 1, released on Netflix in 2017 with Scott Buck as showrunner. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh at that. Anyway, the plot of the show goes something like this. After a plane crash that killed his parents and 15 years in the mysterious realm of Kunlun, Danny Rand returns to New York City to regain control of the family company. Um, we are going to be talking spoilers in this podcast, and I just realized I left my notebook with all my notes at home. So that's good. That's good. And we also have a guest this week. Jamie Butlin joins us again. Hello. Hello, Jamie. Um, yes. So Iron Fist happened. Uh, yeah. And we it watched a it. Thing. So you don't have to. Well, I mean, we, already <laughs> get, we did give a spoiler warning, but if you haven't watched it and you got this far... Um, yeah, maybe just listen to us talk about it and then you don't have to watch it. <laughs> exactly. It was a real, real slog to get through. Like it was such a slog that I couldn't, I was trying to space it out over the week and I only managed to space out four episodes. And then yesterday I was like, oh no. So I watched all nine remaining episodes in one day <sighs> and that was quite a Herculean task, I think. But um, yeah, it was a real it was real. You know hard. how somebody once described the Oscars as two solid hours of entertainment packed into four? Yeah. This was probably two solid hours of entertainment packed into 13. <laughs> That's probably accurate, yeah. I, I can tell two you all of the scenes that were the, the, the entertainment bits. There was that introduction of that guy who was singing karaoke while killing people. I liked that. Um, Louis Tan being the drunken master. I liked that bit. Mm. Okay, I'm done. Amount. No, wait. Everything that Claire did, every single line that Claire said, with that face that she makes where she can't believe that this is happening to her. Madame Gao, all of that stuff, tea. and Madame Gao. Yeah. Yep. It tells you something that my two favorite characters from this show are the two daredevil well, characters. So, yep. well, it tells also, what's his face killing his dad? That was pretty good. Yeah, and um, Horvath as well, Jerry Hogarth. She um, doesn't. Yeah. I, she when she turned up, everything got a bit. But it was you go about four episodes, and he's just fardussing around, and he's the most <laughs> annoying frat boy you've ever run into. Jerry Hogarth does have one line that I liked, which mm. was, um, but it, the line wasn't even that good. It was just the delivery of it, where he, um, where Danny said one of his insane things, and she goes, "Okay, we're going to make a list of things that you're never allowed to say, and that's going to be at the top of it," which I thought was funny. Mm. Um, well, she, that was one of the two times I think I laughed. She's definitely the best bit in all of her scenes, mm. all of two of them. Yeah, well, and Claire's and in one of them, so I yeah. think she like. But other than David Wenham, anyone who's good in this is from another Marvel show. Well, actually, I thought the guy who played Davos was. Oh, quite sorry. Good. Yeah, Davos. I like him. Um, and Louis Tan. Yeah, and um, Tom Palfrey, who was Ward. I thought he was quite good. I um, thought he had he got better towards the end of the season, but the problem was in the first. I think the first four episodes. I almost couldn't get through, especially episode four. E episode four had this one scene that I think was kind of the epitome of everything that I thought was wrong with this show. And it was that boardroom scene where they talk about the the medicine that they were going to mark up, which is like, okay, so A, they're taking this theme and boiling it down so that a kindergartner could understand it in what has to be the most simplistic, stupid, boring dialogue of all time, right? Like that, And that's my problem with basically the whole first half of the season is all of the dialogue is execrable. And then it doesn't get better, though, in the second half. It's no, not but better. Like, I get distracted from it a little more. There's more fights. Although the second half does have the scene where Joy is on the street and somebody actually says, I'm walking here in the background. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, no, but like that, there was that. There's the fact that I don't like Danny in that scene. And he's the one who's standing up for giving people medicine they can afford. And I'm like, you're right. 
but you're so snotty about it that I hate you. <laughs> like, I'm siding with the other people in the room and I shouldn't be because you're the good guy here. And and it was this corporate nonsense that had nothing to do with the superheroing and it was boring as crap. Like, that was... And then the second, the next episode, or maybe it's, it was that same one, the elevator fight oh. was everything else that was wrong with this show because it was it should have been like it's clearly a callback to the Daredevil hallway mm-hmm. scene. Yep. Um, it's very obviously trying for that level of quality and like coming up so short that it probably can't even see it in the distance. But like it's it it's boring and it's you don't care and it's not exciting and it it just feels long even though I think it's shorter than the hallway scene. It's so bad. Mm, the fight scenes are not good other no. than the ones directed by Kevin Tantaro and, and featuring Lewis Tan. Which ones did, which episodes did Kevin Tantaro He directed direct? the Lewis Tan episode. Right. So he directed, so obviously the Lewis Tan fight is good and there's one with, um oh, God, what's her name? Jessica Henwick and another female guard who have a sword fight. And that one you can actually see what's going on. But most fight scenes, because Finn Jones clearly could not get on top of the Kung Fu at all. They gave him 15 minutes. They would tell him what to do 15 minutes before they started shooting. Right. And he only had two months of training as well. A lot of them have a lot more training than that. No, they they literally they would they would tell him what to do for the fight scenes fifteen minutes before. You can see it; they look like run throughs yeah. of what the fight's going to be. He's he's not coping. His form is terrible. He's not coping with the fights, and so most well, he of can't t- act either. So it doesn't well, help. Is that the, well, I was going to get into that later because Jessica Henwick can't act either. But you like he because he can't cope with the fighting. Most of the fight scenes are like you see a close up of his face, and then it's shot from behind, and then there's seventy three thousand cuts. <laughs> yep. And that is, yeah, that's the, I think one of the biggest differences between this and like the fights in Daredevil, which I think is the closest kind of Marvel and uh, Netflix show to this. Um, and like, it doesn't, I mean, I know I'm biased, but like, it doesn't hold a candle to it. There's things that it does that I thought were very, very obviously trying to call back to Daredevil. Like Danny, when he talks about his past and um, when he talks about what it was like for him as a kid and when his parents died and all that sort of stuff, felt very much like they were trying to kind of invoke Daredevil feelings in me. And I was like, but n- it never feels believable when he says it. He n- it never feels like he's actually talking about something that happened to him. It feels like he's reading it off a page or something. Like it doesn't and, – and like those things always make me really, really emotional in Daredevil because it's all the child abuse stuff that you know that, you know, uh, affects me. So – I think part of the problem is that so much of what happens with with Danny is it's just exposition, right? Tell don't being, show, big big oh, problem with so this show. There's so much telling as well. They can't do anything without having a like seven minute monologue to one another about their feelings. Yeah, and all the things we're told about Danny, we're never actually shown, and then he never actually does it in the present day. Mm. So it doesn't even make sense as to why anyone's saying these things about him to begin with. Yes. Yeah. No, that is a big problem. One of the biggest, biggest problems was the lack of Kunlun or Kunlun in general. Mm. Like they need, they need to, I mean, I know people make fun of Arrow, especially at this point, right? But Arrow has his formula down perfectly. It knows what it's doing with the storytelling. It gives you the setup and then it gives you the payoff of all these things that Oliver is doing. And even if it takes a long time, they do that right? There's the setup and the payoff. This happened in the past. Now this is happening in the present. See the parallels. It's all very clear. In 
Iron Fist, we're just told about all the stuff that happened in, K- in Kunlun, especially the dragon fight that gave him his powers that we never see. I, <laughs> and we don't even see it till quite late because it's episode 10, I think, when they actually have a flashback to him and Davos and Davos finding him yeah. after the big dragon fight. Yeah. Show us the dragon. Well, show us Davos earlier as well because uh, clearly. Oh, yeah, he just gets dropped in. Yeah, and they really should have just started off the show in Kunlun. Yeah. Mm. So that yes. we actually cared about these people at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, well, it takes us so long to even find out that, like, Danny's actually left of his own, like, volition because of something that he was feeling. Like, there's mm. no indication of that to me in the first 10 episodes. But um, also, the, they're clearly going for, like, um, Mordor in Doctor Strange, the Chewie character in Doctor mm. Strange. That's what Davos is, right? Like, yep. we all see that he is going to betray Danny and be- uh, become yeah. the big bad. <laughs> That's very, very obvious. Yeah. Especially since he's the uh, POC sidekick of the White Savior League. Um, which is exactly the role that Mordor is in Doctor Strange. And he's also, it's quite clear, he's also way too intense too early. Also, I recognise the actor, so that's another Um, clue. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's the thing. When he first showed up, I didn't recognise the actor. When he first showed up, he banged into Daisy, um, Harold, Hmm. when Harold came back from the dead and he was doing his fun zombie thing. I did quite like that, actually. It looked like Daisy was having lots of fun during that. But um, the so the, the zombie bit, I thought he might have, like, infected the other guy and that's why he went and beat up the guy in the truck. I couldn't figure out what was happening no, then. No, didn't make sense. Like, it, that was really strange to me. They didn't give any setup for that and they didn't really give us any any indication of who Davos was or why he was there. There was nothing. Um, it was a very odd thing. And then it looked like he was trying to kill Danny or something. And then they finally sort of give us an idea of who he is the next episode. And he's Danny's best friend from back in Cunland. And you're like, well, clearly he's not a good guy now after you set him up like this. This is the worst kind of like character introduction that you could have. Because he's so clearly evil from the first moment that mm. he steps onto the scene. And yet we're supposed to at any point believe that he's likable or that he and Danny actually were friends. Yeah, I think Wendell suffers very much the same problem in terms of he's set up as a supervillain at the very start. Who's Wendell? Wendell no, Wendell's sorry. Danny's dad, right? Meacham. Meacham, oh, yes. Harold, yeah. That's- yes. Harold, Although, it. It, like you say, at least um, Daisy Wenham looks like he's having fun. Well, that's, yeah. And he's a good actor. Yes. Um, he, of, the, of the ones who are actually in this cast, he's the strongest actor by far. Yeah. Our lead is not up to carrying the lead. Um, Jessica Henwick is not up to the acting that she has to do. The two of them together have no chemistry. They have no chemistry. Um, I feel like she's trying at least. Plus, she can do the the martial arts, which is a big thing. Well, slightly um, better than him. Than he, well, she him, has but, training, though, martial arts training. So she sort of... I don't. Not before she did this, she didn't. She's like not... I heard something different. Okay, I believe you. Um, um, yeah, but... but, she, but because she I was looks reading, like she can do it better than him. Yeah, she does, but it's still not great. But she, tr- she and Lewis Tan trained together. Oh, but um, and but they didn't have time to train with Finn, like Finn Jones, because he had so much other stuff to do. Didn't have time to train with them. Like, there's so many problems. But on well, this has been a train wreck since they announced it, right? Thing, yeah. Like they announced that you're like, why are you doing Iron Fist? And then they announced that the lead was white, and you're like, why are you doing Iron Fist with a white lead? <laughs> And then everything from there on has been a train wreck up to and including anything Finn Jones says about the show. Though, to be fair, they have managed to pull the white lead off before. Like, Doctor Strange is a very similar situation. Yeah, and it's good. And Doctor Strange, despite its problems, was very enjoyable. Yeah, Mm. that's true. Well, Benedict Cumberbatch is a slightly better actor than Finn Jones. Um, Yes, but they also know 
had a plot. The acting was a real issue across the board. Like, but, and, but also they're all British trying to do accents and none of them are coping. And, and David Wenham included. He's not coping with the accent no. either. He's Australian, Australian, not British. Yeah. But they're all British. And um, Sasha Dewan, who played Davos, and Lewis Tan get to keep their native accent. Which is funny because Lewis Tan's, Lewis Tan's accent did not sound real no, at but, first. Well, both of them, yeah, they both sound, well, almost fake. They're both from the north of England, so they've both got these really strong regional accents. I think they also play it up a yeah. bit. Like, you can tell that they're kind of doing that. It's the same thing Australian actors do when mm. they're on American television where they play up the accents a lot. So, yeah, it felt a little unreal. <sighs> but, I mean... Uh, but, yeah, but Jessica Henwick and Finn Jones are both British too, and so and neither of them... Oh, well, she's doing better than he is, but they're both kind of like... I don't know. They look like rabbits in the headlight, the pair of them. They do. And and I, I wonder how much of it is just bad show running as well, because, I mean, if everybody's bad across the board, like even even David Wenham didn't really do that well in this show. And that's... I mean, and, and bad scripting. The script is... It's it's like they went, oh, we need a scene that's sort of this kind of scene here. Mm. And then they put in an outline and then they left that in there and that's what people were acting out. Like it never felt like anything rose above the level of a basic outline for the kind of scene that we want to see here. And that was really obvious to me um, early on in that scene where um, Finn and Finn, Danny and Ward and Joy are kids. Oh, yeah. Um, and they're sitting around the table playing Monopoly. <laughs> Subtle. Um, and, <laughs> and like, what is, like, unnecessarily horrible to Danny, mm. like, to an extreme degree. And you're like, this is this. I mean, I, I think I texted you at some point in the first few episodes, Jamie, in the first few episodes. And I was like, this is like badly written fan fiction. Yeah. I, I just I, I want to stand up for fan fiction writers here because a lot of them do <laughs> a lot better than this. I said badly written. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. I said badly written. The, but the it- weird part is this, the show introduces us these characters in like the weirdest setting. Mm. Uh, they're having some sort of squabble around their company and we're supposed to care why? Yeah. Like I don't... <laughs> care in any way about this company or who controls it or why Danny wants to have anything to do with right, it. It makes right. no on, sense. On two occasions, people are offered $100 million to go away from the company for it. Why wouldn't you take that? <laughs> yeah, right? What sensible person wouldn't just say, you know what? I don't need a job. I've got $100 million. You have the company. Bye-bye. I'm going to do my own well, thing Danny now. Well, Danny isn't sensible. I get that. No, but well, Joy and Ward. But also, and Danny's name is on the building too. Right. But like Joy and Ward. Why wouldn't you? I kind Free of get money. why Joy wouldn't, based on some of her characterization. Now, yeah. of all the characters in this show, none of whom are consistent, Joy has to be the least consistent mm-hmm. of all of them. Mm-hmm. Her characterization is varies wildly from episode to episode, depending on what they want her to do in the plot, right? No, none more obviously than the very end of the yeah. show when she's like, oh, yeah, I'll turn on everybody that I ever loved because you, strange man, said so. Um, then we get after the shot being shot by of, your organization. Of Sounds gal- but then there's gal sipping tea and that just makes that scene. But yeah. no, it doesn't because it's that is to me like what they did, you, what they did with Claire and Luke Cage. Mm which is they bring in this character that they know is good to try and sell scenes that they know are bad, (laughs) 
right? That's what they're doing with Gao and sometimes Claire in this, especially that introduction, the, the scene where Claire meets Danny and it's mm. that awkward dinner and you're like, why is this happening? <laughs> um, but that's what they do. They kind of bring in the other characters that we already know are good and they, they do fare better than most of the other actors, but I think it's because they've had so much time to get to know these characters already. So, like, they're basing... They got to be in a good show as well with their characters. Yes. Uh, at least one good show. Both of them have been in two, right? Yep. Two, at least two other shows. Claire's been in all of them. But Gao was also in Luke Cage. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong. I love Gao. She's terrific. But, like, they are. They're just using them. Even Gao's Wait, character motivation is not consistent in this. Wasn't Gao in Daredevil at some point? Yeah, she yeah. was. Yeah. She, she was in two other shows. Oh, two Daredevil other shows. and right. Luke Cage. She wasn't in Jessica Jones. Yep. Claire's been in all of them. And, like, consistently the best sort of part of a lot of them. Like, she just kind of elevates everything. Rosario Dawson is a genius and she's wonderful and the only sane person in most of her scenes. I think it helps that the the core of her character was written by a good writer to begin with. Yes. And so the characters that were introduced now have... No understandable motives. Yeah, and yeah. that's why, like the, uh, I quite enjoyed the scenes with Colleen and Claire because it, yeah. Claire kind of lifts things, and the two of them have fun together. Well, that's what I mean. Like Jessica Henwick seems to do better when she's not stuck with Finn Jones. She does. She she seems to like when she was with that that hot cult leader. Mm. Oh, Bakuda. Bakuda. Yeah. Um, who? God, he's so pretty. I was really distracted. He's like Oscar Isaac light. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought he. And this is why he's the leader of the cult. But yeah, that's. Yeah, I had exactly the same problem. I was like, mm, he's handsome. As soon as he showed up, <laughs> every time he was like, oh, I know he's doing really evil things, but God, he's so pretty. Um, <laughs> I liked him. He was enjoyable. Um, but yeah. yeah, all the villains were fun in this, though. It's almost like the villain. The vi- yeah, but they were weak. They weren't yeah. good villains. Well, that's because they kept getting introduced as the. This is the new next big bi- big bad, and mm-hmm. you're like, yes, but none of us are surprised by any of these people being evil, except for the fact that Danny can't seem to see that anybody is evil at all. <laughs> well, there's this bit. Except know- Colleen, she's super evil. When oh, <laughs> uh, I, I have a whole rant about that, but we'll get into it in a minute. Um, when Harold reveals that he killed Danny's parents, you're like, oh gosh, really? What this a shock! Is my shocked face. <laughs> yeah, and Danny's there going, "What could I possibly have motive for doing this?" And you're like, <laughs> and really? Bakuda when he turns on them. Uh, Oh, no way. I'm so shocked. Who could have foreseen this obviously foreseeable thing? <laughs> and who could have foreseen Davos turning on him as well? Oh, yeah. No, I know, right? I, I, in all these years of training, did nobody ever teach him anything about strategy? No, because he's only ever been around people who like, this is the thing. There's a lot of issues, a lot of issues with things about like Danny's been in those like mountains since he was, what, 10? Um, how does he know how to drive? He doesn't have a license. He does say that. Though it was- no, he says he does have a license. No, he says he doesn't. He doesn't have a license, but he's rich. He's rich, so it doesn't matter. Oh, right. But I thought I- he said he did have a license no, think, in that I scene, think- which shows you how much attention I was paying. I think Davos mentioned something about them driving... In, oh, cart. Well, no, because he says carts. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And, but, and he's also like, Davos, you can't drive my car. And then the bit about, I don't have a license, but I'm rich. But how does he drive then? Somebody has to teach him how to drive. I had the same problem with Logan just like a couple of weeks ago where the little girl was driving the car around and I'm like, she's grown up in an institution. How does she know how to drive? Same problem here. He grew up in the mountains with no cars. Maybe the dragon taught him. How does he know how to drive? <laughs> and like, there's, uh, there's so many, like he's, he, there's so many inconsistent things with him having grown up in the mountains. Um, yeah, it just doesn't make I've any sense. My train of thought because I'm now part of it's like he speaks like almost 
no language other than English in the show. Well, no, he's constantly speaking Chinese just out of shot or like from behind because he obviously <laughs> can't speak Chinese and they have to over like they have well, to ADR all his life. Also, he's yeah. enough of a um he's obnoxious enough that when he sees Colleen like putting up posters, his instinct isn't to like say hello, it's to talk to her in Chinese. Oh yeah, cuz he's the worst kind of white boy uh, mansplainer. <laughs> right? Especially oh for someone who grew up among Asian monks. Mm. And, then, and then he has to go teach her how to do Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Oh, um, look, I have a friend who um, is, is pretty cranky about all the um, white-splaining discourse around that, who is um, Asian-Australian and is like, well, martial arts isn't, you know, like it, the being Asian doesn't make you any better at martial arts and all this sort of stuff. So I'm not going to go into that because I don't want to speak over anybody else. But um, – the, the mansplaining, and that, I mean, th- there's a weird kind of sexism in this show. And this is the, the you know how I was going to do the rant? I'm going to do the rant now. Every Marvel Netflix show has a woman who sleeps with one of our heroes under false, or not just under false pretenses, but while lying to him. It is this constant women are inherently untrustworthy trope that is now spread across all four shows, right? So we have on Daredevil, we have Elektra, who started out in college lying to Matt and then continues lying to Matt when they rekindle their relationship. Um, On Jessica Jones, we have Jessica Jones, who sleeps with Luke Cage after killing his wife. Girlfriend? I don't remember. Um, On Luke Cage, we have Misty, who uh, sleeps with Luke while um, undercover as a cop doesn't tell him she's undercover and then he gets mad at her for it. Um, and now we have Colleen who is sleeping with Danny while not telling him that she's in the hand. This is a really prevalent trope now that they've done it all, across all four shows. All four of these women are heroes in their shows, right? They are the lead women apart from Electra, I think Karen, you'd more argue, was the lead woman on that show. But Electra aside, everybody's like the lead woman on their show. Yep. And they all sleep with men while manipulating them and lying to them. This is so problematic. And and Dunny, um, Iron Fist doubled down on it with that Spider Bride, Bride of the Spider Woman person. Oh my god, I'd forgotten about that. Thing. That just that whole episode is just a hot mess. It's terrible. That one. I mean, besides just... the the karaoke part at the start, which was great. Which that... was it was just a whole series of like. Round one, fight. Yeah, it's so comic mm-hmm. booky and odd. Like that, and that scene felt so out of place. And those Russian brothers that were like um, Anatoly and Dmitri uh, Light. Um, Anatoly's the guy who got his head bashed in by Wilson Fisk on Daredevil. Which also, that reminds me of um, the Iron Fist scene that was calling back to that was when Harold kills poor Kyle. Um, like, mm. and that scene was so much more brutal to me because Kyle, Kyle has never done anything yeah. wrong. Is a very sweet kid, and we have to watch him get murdered very slowly in very gross ways. Like we see the back of his head caved in, while like Harold ch- chases after him and then cradles his body like a do- broken doll afterwards. That was really upsetting to me. Yeah. I was like, that's so much. It's really mean-spirited. It's it's actually, it, that felt quite Jessica Jonesy. Like the real, oh, like. the chopping off the limbs. But well, just the, I'm um, more like the um, death of the innocent kind of stuff. Yeah. But just, yeah, that was horrible. That was unexpectedly horrible too. Like this show has been relatively light on the gore up until that moment. You know, mm. it's it's not been a gory show. And then when the same thing, like when uh, um, Harold hits Ward on the back of the head and there's this blood splatter mm. that goes onto the window and you're like, oh, Ward's dead, right? Yeah. Like Ward has yep. to be dead. 
Nope. Yeah, I did kind of feel for Ward by the end of the show, which well, is saying something because yeah. at the beginning I was like, can we not do this anymore, please? Well, I don't care yeah, about his drug problems. I, yeah, I almost always felt for Ward because he's the better, best of the young actors. Like, he, he at least had a journey. Um, yeah. He, he, he's, yeah. He's still pretty monotonous, though. He's I mean, not, like, varied in his performance for most of the time. It's it's pretty one level. I don't know. I think, I think the scene where... Ward kills his dad. Was, is, was probably one of the only scenes that actually stood out to me as something that was a good scene. Did you laugh? I laughed. I didn't laugh. I did. I laughed. I cracked up, actually. I thought it was hilarious. Um, the, a bit, but partly because you knew that was coming, I think, for a while. Um, or at least, like, something like that was yeah. going to happen for they a while. They were building up to something. And also, I think, because I knew Harold was going to come back. Oh, I, I kept waiting for him to come back. And it wasn't anything like the show just kind of implied that he was going to come back, like he was going to be killed and come back at some Mm -hmm. point with all of the zombie talk. Um, There's a big issue with Harold where he never really feels like an antagonist until right at the end. Like he's bad, but he doesn't feel like, I mean, he feels like a a bad person, but not an antagonist to Danny. Oh, right. Yes. Because I was going to say he's horribly abusive to Ward. No, that's not what I meant. He's obviously awful. But like I was talking about just plot wise. He doesn't actually do anything. It's because he, mo- to- he spends most of the show opening doors for Danny. Right. And making it easier for Danny so that you don't feel like he's opposed to what Danny's trying to do. Right. That only happens right, right at the end. So, like, he's never really... He's the primary antagonist of the series but never feels like an antagonist. And the Meacham storyline feels so separate to Danny, but that's partly because Danny just is flung around by the plot without making any decisions or choices or... Mm like having any personality or agency at any point ever. And the like having cute curls doesn't count as personality. It seemed to, the show seemed to think it did occasionally. The, the weird part is it just seems like he's still the 10 slash 11 year old who left. Yeah. There, there's no real in between time, except that all he did while he was gone was learn how to fight. Mm. Yeah. Because he gets back and he still acts like an 11 year old. Yeah. Even though yeah. he's been somewhere else for most of his life. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean... Which is why, imagine, if they'd cast an Asian American in the lead, they could have done the third culture thing where, you know, the kind of growing up in two different cultures and not really belonging to one kind of stuff. I'm almost glad they didn't because if Cause, it, had, it was so bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if they if did was, that with good writers... That would yeah, no, yes. you would have had to go... You would have had to have good writers and because you would have had to do a whole lot of other stuff. But yeah... I'm almost glad they didn't with the writers they had. Right, exactly. I mean, I feel like the show was so under-budgeted because they looked at the script and they went, oh, no, this is not good. (laughs) It's such a bad script. It really is so badly Mm. just written. Mm. Like, forget about everything else. The foundation of this show isn't there. It's too badly written for anybody to make anything out of it. And it's not even, like, so bad it's fun because there's no fun in this show whatsoever. Right. No, it's just it's, boring from start to yeah, finish. And People kept telling me the, things like, oh, it's got dark humor in it. And I'm like, where? Well, when the actor is good enough to deliver it in the right way, maybe in one or two scenes. Um, but the, there's no – it's not just – the dialogue is bad and the storytelling is bad. Mm. There's no build. There's no, no proper, like, character arcs or, and then <laughs> just – that's because the characters don't arc. They just go wherever the script tells them to go. And by the time well, we I think get to Ward the... gets an arc. No one else. Yeah. And by the time we get to the very end of the season, we finally understand like one of Danny's motivations. 
Yeah, we. I, I where we get to at the end of the season is where you would <laughs> is be where you should be after up. one episode yeah. on yeah. Daredevil or Jessica Jones. In fact, it is where you were after one episode on those shows. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's um, Danny is um, not interesting. Um, <laughs> he's, just, he's just not. But he's also not good at being Iron Fist. Yeah, and it, the Iron Fist thing itself, like you feel like you should get excited every time it gl- starts glowing, and you don't. At think- all, and also Danny um, Finn Jones always has this expression on his face, like a kid who just pooped in his diaper and is just about <laughs> to start crying, but hasn't yet. That's that's his look through the whole show. But the thing about you saying that the, he's not good at being Iron Fist is the, the the bit that's the the weirdest, bizarre juxtaposition of the show is that he's supposed to be this amazing martial artist, the best of Kunlun, in order to be able to become the Iron Fist, and then he's awful at it. Yeah, like just awful. Yeah. Well, I mean. We we sort of get him. It's implied that he's good at the martial arts because he like never loses, um, but it never feels like he's actually fighting to do that. Well, it just feels like he's sort of dodging people. And a how many of his fights are like just him punching people as well? There's not no artistry to it at all. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, you look at <laughs> you look at that hallway scene. But to be fair, I also think Luke Cage and Jessica Jones suffered from not great fight scenes. Mm. Um, I can't think of a great fight scene in either show. No, no. Yeah, Jessica but- Jones is too strong. When you, when you have two characters who are super strength, like the fight scenes aren't really what you should be going for. Well, Luke's not got super strength, though, has he? He's just bulletproof. Um, but no, he has super strength, doesn't he? Does he? I don't remember. Yeah, he is strong. That's right. He lifts the washing machine. Yeah, he oh, like, he lifts like a house or yeah, something. Doesn't he's he? Yeah, no, really no, strong. Got, really, <laughs> really, really strong. Look, um, yeah, I remember that show just so well. Hits people and they go down. You're yeah, like, but okay, well, in comparison fun. to Daredevil, um. Which has great fight scenes. Well, that's the thing. This is the show that's most like Daredevil. And Daredevil has, like, even in the second season, it has great fight scenes. Like, great fight scenes. And that hallway fight scene is one of the greatest fight scenes on film. And it's not like... Not just on TV. And it's not like Charlie Cox was an expert at fighting or martial arts before he started on that either. Well, no, but he's a good actor. <laughs> he is a good actor, but the the fighting and stuff, that had to be worked out. They, yeah. they obviously, Marvel let them have the time and the money and the energy to spend on doing decent fights. They also had um, the, the um, stunt double for him was a stunt double for um, Captain America. Oh, right. So that's the same butt, um, <laughs> which is very important. Um, we'll put but, yeah. some pictures up on Tumblr of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have picture proof somewhere back in my Tumblr of that. Um, but yeah, uh, but it, it was a little easier, I think, because he has the mask. So um, Danny has no discernible like hero. Oh, things. you know what? It, the oh, tattoo is boring and ugly, but I think that's the only discernible like hero thing that he has going. Do you know like, what's bizarre? Iconic over image. the titles, the front titles. There's a guy doing martial arts, but it's clearly not him. It's yeah. completely different hair. Yeah. That was weird. Why? What is the point of that? I don't know. I skipped the – it's the only time I've skipped the intros every single time consistently. Even the music I didn't like that much. Um, but going back to that that hallway fight scene, one of the reasons that it's so good – I mean, it's so good on a million levels, right? There's the single take thing. So no fancy editing around the fact that they can't do any of the stunts or act. And there's the um, – the fantastic fight choreography, brilliant fight choreography, but it's the acting that sells it, right? Like the the dropping against the floor, the leaning against the wall when he gets knocked down and he has to sort of drag himself back up again, the little moment at the end of it when he pushes his mask up so that the kid can see his eyes, that's what sells that scene. All of the other stuff is great, but unless you can really kind of portray the emotions of mm. why this is important, it doesn't matter. That elevator fight scene should have been able to do that. Danny's, like, 
closest childhood friend slash sister um, is now getting kidnapped in front of him, he should care. And you never feel any emotion from it. It's completely detached from any emotion. Uh, what, are, what are the things that was... that I have a problem with the hand in general in this show. Uh, is that their big bad evil plan is to sell heroin? Duh. Like... That's that's it. You know, I, like no. world domination, all that sort well, of thing. Well, no, but that's that's but the whole point of these Netflix Marvel shows. They're they're in the real world. They're all it's Hell's Kitchen. So the problems are like drugs no dragons. and violence and all that stuff. Yeah, I know. There, there is they introduce a dragon, but then make no use of it in any way. They're not trying to get the dragon to, in order to take over the world. Except that that's not really their evil plot, is it? Their real evil plot is to is not Madame Gao's. It's Bakudo's. The real evil plot of the hand in this show is to find at-risk youths and brainwash them into their Scientology cult, um, and use them as an army, and use them as an army. Right? To that's sell what heroin. they do. Well, yeah, no, but but that's <laughs> well, not to defend their interests. Yeah, in in everywhere, like to be everywhere, to to like have all this control. I think um, the concept that they were going for here is interesting, although there's a real ir- irritating strain of inherent racism in that, in that Colleen um, was part of the hand and she's like the only person of colour in the main cast of this show. Um, she, her, the leader of the hand there um, is um, a Latin American guy and most of the people of colour in the show were in the hand, which is hugely problematic. But putting that aside for a minute, that's that's the real kind of interesting storyline. That's the most interesting storyline in this show, right? It's the idea that there's this evil organization that the Iron Fist is supposed to fight him, but he's been so isolated in Kunlun and they, they're trying to just care about Kunlun and they haven't noticed that the hand has been spreading its evil across the world. And so he's discovering that. And he's discovering that everything that he's been taught is kind of skewed and not right. And Colleen discovers that too. And there's a parallel there. And that's important because they're the main characters of the show. And they spend like four episodes just talking about it. But you never feel it and you never experience that. Because we never saw Kunlun or Colleen when she was a kid being brought into this storyline. We get one episode of introduction into the hand. And they're very clearly don't drink the Kool-Aid evil. Um, Like... (laughs) And and that's the most interesting and important thing that this and and the the differences between Madame Gao's Madame Gao's and Bakudo's strains that their fingers of the hand, um, but um, Madame Gao, by the way. So the the order that Danny serves is the order of the Crane Mother, <laughs> which I thought was the Queen Mother at first. So I was seeing this very small, white haired old lady <laughs> who well, drinks a lot of gin, which was I think far more interesting. But there's a theory that. Madame Gao is the crane mother floating around. Right, the right, yeah. So it could be that Danny is also working for the hand without knowing it. Potentially. Given that the hand is clearly much further reaching than we ever knew was possible. And there's a lot more going on with Madame Gao than, we, than when we know. Right. She says at one point, I spent most of the 17th century becoming immune to poisons or something. Being tortured. <laughs> Being to- Oh, okay. I just, I was thinking of um, Jason Statham. Mm, but there, sorry, you've just reminded me though. It's spy when he does the we ingest yeah. poisons. Um, but there is though the the poison is um the spider woman with the bad corset that he fights, and mm. she makes an excellent pun in German. She she talks about her poison being her gift, which is the German word for poison. And I don't know that if that is like a legit pun. And be, and there's another one where 
Oh. I'm pretty sure that went straight over the writer's head. Um, it probably did. <laughs> Along with, so at the end, um, Daisy Wenham's character says, oh, Danny boy, and then he gets impaled on a pipe. And the second line of Danny boy is the pipe. The pipes yeah. are calling. I noticed that. Did you also notice that his name is... So in- I didn't notice that, but my husband, whose name is Daniel and has therefore had many people sing Danny boy at him, did know. No, I did notice that because I started singing it in my head. Yeah. Um, but um, there was also... Um, did you know that his name in Ward's phone is Dr. Frank Enstein? Yes, I did say that. Yeah. I know. I was like, wow, guys. Subtle. <laughs> At one point, Joy even says, who's Dr. Stein? Yeah. The Ward storyline, I think, you were talking about him having him having an arc and I was thinking about it. The only sort of reason that he seems to have an arc, I think, is because the, the show pushed him in the directions that they needed him to go in, <laughs> but that sort of managed an arc by accident, almost. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Like... Because there's no indication in the first six episodes that he's a drug addict. But then suddenly he is out of nowhere. And he has been for a long time. And then he breaks his own hand. Mm-hmm. I was very upset. And, like, goes and tries to get the painkillers and stuff. And then and then he gets addicted to Gal's heroin, which is clearly just an attempt to wind that into the main plot. Right? Yep. But it doesn't function because it only happens once know, so like, that they could get him out of the way in that mental hospital so that he could come back and try to convince joy so that joy would turn against him so that at the end joy would go and team up like that's and it. so it's- they could have the parallel of danny being in the mental hospital too. yeah yeah exactly and part of it feels like it's just that the first half of this season is just them treading water until they have all the pieces in play to mm, actually yeah. have a plot going oh my god they just it's so the biggest sin of this show is that it's so freaking slow so- it's such a slog and you used to you spend six or seven episodes of like kind of build up, nothing much happening. Yeah. The pacing is dreadful. <sighs> there's no like every episode blends into the next episode and there's no reason to sort of select out any like from the first sort of f- set of five or six episodes. I can't. I only remember that I hated the fourth one the most. Yeah. I I didn't even have that strong a reaction to Anything. Only because I was writing notes and I wrote episode four and then episode five. Well, and, and I knew, um, I also knew that um, episode eight was coming with, and I knew it was directed by Kevin Tantarone and I knew it had Lewis Tan in it. So I was kind of like, okay, this, there might be something interesting happening in episode eight. So I was kind of like, let's get to that one. Do you know who Kevin Tantarone is? I do not. Um, he's the brother of Marissa Tantarone, the run, showrunner for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Jed Whedon's wife. And um, he has directed some, like, dance movies and stuff. And but several episodes also, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. He's also directed um, – but he, we've seen a few things that he's directed where he does really good, like, martial arts stuff he's, and yeah, dance Yeah. He's, some of his – one of his um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes that's coming to mind is when um, Chloe Bennett's character, Daisy Johnson, finally kind of comes into her powers. There's a – she has this most amazing, um, like, fight sequence through – Breaking into a military base. I remember base. I actually saw that one. <laughs> yeah, so, and that's uh, that's a Kevin Tantron one. He's yeah. really good at fight scenes, and because he's got that background as a concert slash dance, yeah, um, director. So he does. He directed the um, recent remake of Fame and some other stuff. But yeah, he he's really good at that stuff. Like really good at it. And you can tell there's a there's a definite improvement in the fight quality. Yeah, once I was you get trying- Lewis Tan and Kevin Tantron yeah. together. I was keeping an eye out on the directors because I was kind of doing a running tally of how many women there were, like two. Um, and because I always do that and, and like people of color as well, kind of trying to keep a track of who, who the directors were, but otherwise they don't really stand out and they're so long as well. The episodes are really long. They feel long. Like they're, I think they're only about 
52 minutes or something. But my God, some of them, especially early on, they get a bit better towards the end because, well, towards the end, the action picks up. There's more fights, even if they're not great. It looks, it starts looking better too. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a real problem with, I think, Iron Fist that the other shows didn't have, which is that there's not a united look to it. Like, I think Luke Cage, I think bright colors, I think yellow, I think like the, the, that kind of saturated um, mm. summer in the city kind of look that it had. Jessica um, Jones is blue, gray, everything. Purple, yeah. purple and blue, everything right mm. like um and blue like very blue washed um and and dead elfil of course is those like neon color soaked bright the, the lighting mm. is the the big thing about dead elfil and the nighttime stuff is yeah. dead but the introduction not the very first introduction of madam gal but one of the most important introduction of madam gal scenes where she stabs that guy through the head looks like dead devil it's yeah. got that that soaked green light. Everybody in, in a lot silhouette. of the episodes early in stuff, this feels like Daredevil. A lot, of, yeah. A lot of the early ones use the Daredevil lighting scheme. That um, the uh, mental asylum has a very Daredevil lighting scheme. With it's the not bright, as bright green though. coming in. Um, but what? Uh, speaking of the production design, though, have you ever seen a place that looks less like China? Than the place where the China <laughs> scenes were shot, and that that is episode eight, the, the Kevin Tantron <laughs> one. But they were shot. On, on the, I'd seen a tweet before I saw the episode. Yeah. It's hard to tell, but uh, the Iron Fist China scenes were shot on Staten Island. And like, yeah, there's no people around for one thing. It's so and there's a near, oh, next to like this industrial bay area. And this, it's ter- it does not look like anything like China. It doesn't even look like it's in Asia. I didn't know they'd left. <laughs> I like I did because I saw the plane ride right, and then yeah, they were like, in China, we? and I was like, "Did they go back to America? Yeah. When are they going to China? They, they definitely just went all the way back again. They talked yeah. to this guy, like the guy who was begging on the street, yeah. and he just speaks English. And I'm like, "Oh, so we're in America, right?" Yeah. And like then Lewis Tan is just speaking English, and you're like, "What?" With going his like on? really broad Manchester accent. I know like, what. And like, and then they do go back, and I was like, "Wait, did where Danny- are we going on this plane?" No, because I don't didn't remember the plane ride. And Danny went to get the dro- mm. the sodium pentothal, which is a myth. But anyway, he goes to get it, and I'm like, "Did he just go back to America and then go back to China in order to get the drugs for Madame Gao?" And then I was like, "Oh no, that's the dojo. They're back in because I just couldn't. There's no difference no, no, <laughs> between China and America." Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the people speaking, just all speaking English is so weird in the show. The fact oh, yeah. that he speaks to the his master, his monk, in the memory, several episodes at the start of the show, and he just speaks in English to him. That was weird because that was, didn't go anywhere. But mm. then it again, didn't go anywhere, but why would he speak to him in English? Because Finn Jones clearly Does can't speak Chinese. Does everyone in Kunlun speak English? Is that what's yes. happening? I, perhaps when you go into the Kunlun realm, you just speak your own language and every, it's, there's a universal translator. Well, right. uh, that is a question because Kunlun, Kunlun isn't a real place, right? It's one of the seven realms of heaven. I don't something like that. So, like the teleportation place, the portal, mm. the whatever it is to get to Kunlun is in the mountains in China, but Kunlun itself doesn't exist within China, from what I can tell. Yeah, no, that yeah. seems correct. So Kunlun itself seems to be a multicultural place where they train people by kidnapping them or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure how they managed to get people there. But either way, because it's like clearly multicultural. There's, I mean, um, Davos is clearly a different race to the monks who are a different race to yes. Danny. Yeah. Though I believe Davos got race swapped for this show. Yeah, but we're, um, we're not talking about the comics. We're talking about well, how it exists in this show, right? right? Sure. Like, I can't... So, he was white in the comics or he was Chinese or... 
Hard to tell. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so his name was Davos. Um, like, yeah, it made kind of sense to have an Indian English guy playing him. Um, but also it made it really obvious that he was going to turn evil. <laughs> Like Davos is such a clearly evil person name, mm. um, like Mordor. Um, Mor- Mordo. Mordo. <laughs> Sorry, it's all right. There, there is a, there's a villain on Doctor Who called Davros as well. Yeah, that I was thinking of that. As and well. I, I was thinking of that too. I think I've possibly seen um, such a one on Doctor Who. But yeah, no. Um, it it's clearly exists outside of our reality. Also, to- speaking of like clearly not shooting in the place that they were shooting that they were um, set. The climb on the mountains <laughs> it was like the, clearly a backlot of like one wall and some snow blowing in their faces <laughs> and going in different directions. And then they walk through styrofoam rocks to a styrofoam arch <laughs> and a matte painting. <laughs> yeah, like I know. Yeah. If you wonder the, at the quality of the acting, you sort of they're not given much to work with. I know, no, I they're really not. Like, I ended the show just like crying laughing at that, partly because I was delirious from nine hours of watching it, but also <laughs> partly because it watched was nine stupid. hours worth. I, in, within oh, 12 hours. I watched nine oh hours Lord. worth within 12 hours. Yeah, it was pretty crazy, but it just, it looked so bad. Mm. And it, it's, it but, really speaks to like, if you can't believe anything in the show, then why are we going to be invested in it? I think that part of the problem is that with Kunlon being such a weird mix of things in terms of it's if it is this magical multicultural wonderland they have to show it to us in some way it's a magical us- multicultural wonderland where they keep talking about it being heaven where they torture children and we yeah. never see them we but, never see it yeah they kidnap yeah, and torture if they children. don't show it to us we can't really understand yeah and we can't make that, a judgment either yeah and so you just assume that it's going to be something different than what they're telling us it is because it doesn't make any sense. No, it's it's very contradictory in everything they say. Yeah, yeah well, it needs it's cuz in my head I was kind of imagining it a bit like the the Deacon Luckman place in Agents of Shield where they go when they um when they're right, converting. Right, right, right. Um yeah. that's how I was kind of imagining it, but it's clearly colder than that. But it would have been nice to actually show no, a bit of that. No, he says it was warmer. Yeah, that's right. Her, it is going to be warmer when we get to there. To Colleen. Yeah. When, the with her sunglasses. <laughs> that was got such snow, a weird random look. snow goggles. Yeah. That was such a weird. Uh, the the costuming on this show is weird, among the oh, many many other when, issues. Yeah, well, well, when they um, Claire gives him a t shirt with a bullet hole in it, which is clearly meant to be Luke Cage's, and it's only like slightly it big. On, well, what? it's slightly big on him. But Finn Jones is tiny. He's a very skinny. Every time really he did the tai chi, I was skinny. like, oh, I can see your ribs. Yeah, he's re- but he, yeah, he's like really narrow, really narrow, and has that long torso. He's tiny little man. So of course, like his and and Luke Cage makes a big point about wearing a double XL. Yeah, like they could have. It, it should have looked like a muumuu on him. Yeah, why don't <laughs> just play out? Too. Yeah, they should have played out that joke and. Because Finn, I keep calling him Finn, because <laughs> too. Danny is supposed to be someone who's been meditating and doesn't care about possessions, and although he owns an Aston Martin, but he's, yeah, I guess because he's still a 10-year-old boy. He seems like his character like, inconsistency. Totally changed his entire personality. If he's gone, I've taken all these vows of like chastity and all this sort of stuff, going he's up to this point, and he's just like, nah, screw all my vows, I'm just doing whatever I want. Yeah, and, and the, the Aston Martin is the one that gets to me, because I'm like, why? That's completely... Like, the guy who turns up, who's like, and dresses like a hippie, and wears bare feet in the middle of winter, and wants to meditate every morning, suddenly needs an Aston Martin? Like, I, it was very bizarre. A different uh, writer wrote that script. Right, and, but... But if if they were being consistent with that character, wearing the like seven sizes too large Luke Cage t shirt would have been a fun joke to pull off. Yeah. yeah, it would. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They don't seem to. 
no sense of fun whatsoever in the show. No. Not just no sense of fun. That's a that's that is a good character beat that they don't seem to want to hit. Mm. Um, but yeah, and there's but, other bits like even Claire. Let's talk about what Claire does in this show, right? So she shows up, has dinner with them for no reason. Um, just to save and us then from the awkward. There's the we know a nurse, so they take the drug man, drug making man, to the nurse, Claire, right? And then she saves him and then freaks out about the hand because she's the only person there who seems to know anything about it. At which point, we don't know that Colleen's sitting there going, yeah, I'm part of the hand. That's cool. That's chill. You guys are freaking out about it. I'm not going to tell any- tell anybody anything. But, like, she doesn't even seem to know that at that point, right? Like, mm. it's like the actress didn't know that she was part of the hand until later on oh, in the show. I, I they d- hadn't even written that part yeah, of the script yet. So, I saw an interview with oh, – no, it was at a con. Um, David Wenham talking about the show, and he was just like – Marvel just kept everything locked down and you wouldn't get th- they wouldn't get information about their characters until they were actually needed to shoot the episode so they just didn't have anything ahead of time so they were playing like one single script at a time and so they were just doing what had been put in that so they didn't know she didn't know oh. she wouldn't have known and Daisy Wenham wouldn't have known exactly where his character was going that makes Well that makes more sense for for Daisy just cuz mm. I mean he had to play shifty anyway and Yeah so he knew like that kind of bit about himself about being a bad father and all that sort of thing but he but yeah they weren't they were just they were not getting um getting stuff I mean I actually remember hearing Finn Jones talk about the audition and and also Lewis Tan talk about the audition process and getting all like all dummy sides and everything yeah. like that to audition from so it was just it seems like n- the script was on lockdown, but maybe the script was on lockdown because it hadn't been written yet. Yeah. And they didn't know it was coming. It just, it makes no sense, particularly compared to the quality of so many of the other Marvel shows and Marvel yeah. movies that do such great jobs that it just, it, it's so weird that you have a show that's just so awful on almost every single front. Yeah, it was like it was made by DC or something. <laughs> well, like- it was really, but like this comes back to like my train wreck. Like it's a train wreck sort of from, it's a total cluster from start to finish. Like they knew right from the start this wasn't working. And at no point along the way did they go, let's try and make it work. Let's put some effort in somewhere. And it does. I, I would not be at all surprised if they hadn't written the episodes till the night before. Well, uh, because that makes sense with the character motivation, not knowing where the char- what, the, what they were going to oh, do not with the giving, characters. Not giving Finn Jones any kind of training. And yep. this is a show that's going to come out all in one big chunk. Like it's not like they they it's not like they had to do it week by week in order to keep up with the production process, is it? No, and it was announced like two years before it came out, maybe yep. more. They had time. It almost feels like they've just gone. Uh, we don't actually quite have the funding for this one. We're just going to have to cut this one a bit short so but that we can Netflix. get in, or, in order to get to Defenders. Netflix yes. has money, though. This is the thing. Marvel has money. Right. That's So, that doesn't so why make sense are they either. cheaping they out on this? They underfunded it. I mean, to be fair, they cheap out on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too, but, like, why are they cheaping out on this? But Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. they're cheaping out on now because they know that it's not a big earner for them. Yeah, it's, and it's run They didn't course. cheap yeah. out on it at the beginning, right? Iron Fist, it's like they gave up before they started. Yeah. It is a train wreck even down to the casting though like even down to the oh shit we've got to cast somebody um is there somebody who's now off to get game of thrones so we can throw in like it was just even and like and the the jessica henwick casting also felt very last minute oh yeah she was in star wars let's get her i think it's gonna be very interesting to see how um danny and anyone in this show changes when it comes to the defenders oh yeah because if they start you know 
actually having time to train, putting some sort of money into it mm. and having some decent riders, then... Yeah, but you're still going to have Finn Jones. Well, but but that's the thing. I, if he can, if he's got a bit, uh, yes, he's not like a strong enough actor to carry the show on his own. But he doesn't have to carry the defenders. But give him another six months or twelve months of training, he might be in a better position in terms of actually physically carrying off. Yeah, the but stuff you he's know, got to carry off. in the comics, Danny and Misty were together, right? Yeah, that makes me sad thinking about the future of the shows if they're actually going to go there with the shows because I'm like, Misty deserves. So well, much better. Misty's going to be in the Defenders. I know. Um, and, 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 and they've and been talking about, about that. I love Misty. And they've been talking about thing in Luke Cage. her and Colleen as being friends. They haven't actually been talking about the about Misty and Danny, which is because Danny. I don't know. Danny doesn't just doesn't have any chemistry with anybody. He doesn't deserve Misty. She's better than he is. <laughs> she can date Colleen. That would be better. Yeah. Um, at least Jessica Henwick is cute and trying. Yeah. Like her, she, and she does a good job. Those fight scenes in the cage match scenes mm. um, work pretty well. Like you can, f- you feel like she's feeling that. Yep. And Even if the choreography the isn't brilliant and it's exactly mm. the same choreography, by the way, in both fights, like they both end with her in the same hold. You're like, oh, that's clearly because that's the one that she knows. Um, mm. But even with that, you know that like you, you feel that she's having that reaction, right? Like she's getting angry and she, she's um, feeling that yeah. adrenaline and all that sort of stuff. And she acts that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you feel her shame at actually doing the cage fights yeah. in the first place. Yeah, I do actually. So this is why, like, when you're you're saying Jessica Henwick can't act, I don't. She she does a lot better when she's not with Danny, like a lot better. It seems like she, I don't know. Maybe she's trying to match his energy, or maybe they're just having trouble connecting. Yeah, I, a I lot think of the time, it, and, and it, with her, it could well be just a lack of experience. She's yeah, not been she's a lead not. before. She's um, acting out of her own accent. She's kind of. And that's a big thing too. Yeah. Everybody acting out of their own accent is really clearly affecting the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a, a struggle for which, yeah. Like again, Daredevil, Charlie Cox is out of accent, but he's doing fine. He's yeah. a good actor. Yeah. I think partly, you know, there is the fact that he's he's surrounded by better people too, mm. right? Like everybody on Daredevil feels like they just they stepped into that role and that was them. Mm. Eldon Henson is so so gorgeous as Foggy, and and um, um, Deborah Ann Wall is more to work with though. Sorry? They're given a lot more to work with. I know, but they are really, like, it's not just they're good, but they're really well cast, right? Like, they feel like the people that they're... not well cast. Right. They feel like the people that they're playing. Deborah Anwell, everything about how she looks and how she carries herself is Karen. So, like, you just kind of... And and, and John Bernthal is Punisher. Like, everything about those guys, they just kind of inhabit those roles. They're really good at it. This show, it, it, it does feel miscast like jessica henwick is really adorable and like sweet and then has to turn on a dime to do those those fight scenes and she does a pretty good job of it but like there's there's and she clearly doesn't also doesn't know what her character motivation is no so like i and and obviously finn jones doesn't either but he's like where charisma goes to die (laughs) um and and there's no kind of at least when the camera's on jessica henwick i felt something you know that that scene where they're flirt fighting Mm. and like he's like watch me do this thing that i just learned five minutes ago and she's like oh watch me do this thing that i just learned five minutes ago (laughs) Uh, but like when the camera's on her she's kind of like doing these little like flirtatious grins and stuff when the camera's on him nothing (laughs) there's no expression on his face you're like what are you 
doing? Are you flirting with her? Are I you- must have missed that because I did not find her. She did didn't do very many expressions with her face. She did. She had these little like smiles and like. I mean, she's just just a lot cuter than he. Yes, yeah. which is why I like Tom Palfrey a lot more because he actually like when he the camera wasn't on him, you could still see him reacting in the background. Yeah. Oh, Rosario Dawson does like acts the hell out of background shots as well. Um, but no, I think I feel like Tom Palfrey and Colleen Wingham on sort of a similar level acting wise and joy don't remember the actress's name i feel like none of them are very good in the bad episodes but all of them kind of step up their game a little in the better episodes Mm. and all of them are kind of similar to me ward just gets a better storyline he just does and 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 also he gets to have a lot of scenes with david wenham who is a better actor lifts him a bit i think that's it i think he just gets more to do so he Seems I suppose his, his motivations seem a little bit more clear. It's easier for him True. to see where his character is coming from and where his character is going. That's yes. a good point as well because he doesn't have a lot of shocks in his future, right? Like mm. he doesn't – everything that, that he does makes sense from who he already is except for the weird drug addict storyline. But um, – Well, but the drug – Even that's plausible. I, yeah, drug yeah, addict is. is quite plausible in his position right. given his life and the shit that's going on. I wouldn't exactly like he just get, but it feels like he just got overwhelmed and suddenly became a drug addict. But then they're like, "Oh, he's always been like that." And you're like, yeah. "Where? When?" Yeah. It would have been that was a little bit odd. It would have been better to have him be a drug addict the whole time as exactly. a, as a well, but well, or it, as a mo- or just start on the show, right? But it would also make sense as a means of coping with the anxiety of dealing yeah. with his dad. But that's what I mean. If they, he just starts, like they just show him start. On the show. Yep. They, they should just, like, show him start taking drugs to cope with his dad. Mm. Like, they could easily do that. Like, s- episode four, oh, we're going to make him a drug addict. Okay, let's have him start doing it. Not suddenly rewrite his whole backstory as being a drug addict the whole time. This is what I mean. Like, they, they do all these things where they just try to overwrite everything that's already happened when it doesn't make any sense. And Colleen being part of the hand is a huge, huge example of that. It comes out of nowhere. It makes no sense. Makes no, no sense. Also... They clearly talk about that kid who looks like a, a like black Andrew Garfield. Oh, yes. Um, the the tall dojo kid. Yeah, getting a scholarship. Yes. Right. He he clearly got a scholarship to go to a college and be a fighter, and then he's at the hand. Well, no, and that's like, the whole it's point. The hand that's the that's the whole point. That's what's happening to I, her good students. They're getting scholarships to go off with. Bakaru. I feel like they rewrote that later. Right. Like, it feels to me like they were like, oh, let's bring that kid back. He was good. What should we do with him? I don't know. Let's just Hmm. put him in the hand. The weird thing, I I find that the whole hand storyline with with Colleen and Bokuto, it almost felt like they didn't need to have Colleen as being part of the hand. No. They could have just had Bokuto as being the hand. Well, I mean, they they only did that to make it matter emotionally. Yeah, to give um, Danny some motivation, something to work (laughs) with. Yeah, but like... Colleen could have had the motivation because we don't care about Danny by that point anyway. We don't well, care about don't Danny you know for that basically women are inherently the whole untrustworthy? movie. Yes. Yes. Whole movie. <laughs> we don't. Oh, the, oh, sorry. Yes. TV show. We just don't care about Danny. Like it's never. There's never no. a scene where he's like. He has all these scenes with Ward, and I'm rooting for Ward. Or he has scenes with Daisy Wenham, and I'm rooting for Daisy. Or yeah. he has scenes with even with Colleen, I'm rooting for her. Or he, or Rosario Dawson shows up, and then she's the best thing about it. I'm just, I fu- yeah, I found him never connected with him ever. No, I know. And Claire, like you, yeah, Claire is so frustrated. Oh, I didn't even get through what I was talking about with Claire before. She goes off to China with them for no reason. She goes to China with people she doesn't. Claire. Temple goes to China with people she doesn't know mm. 
for no good reason. Why? She knows she's not a fighter. Why does she go to China with them? Because they wanted to keep her on the show. Like that's partly that. I, you can kind of justify it in the fact that that uh, to some degree she feels a little bit ashamed about the fact that she ran from the last so lot of the hand. But they they she kind sort of, of impl- noped out as hard and fast as she could. Yeah, and, and this is her way of trying to redeem herself to some degree. But again, I feel like that's that's what we're putting. Like that's well, she, kind yeah. of what Claire's what what Rosario Dawson is putting into the character. Well, yeah, because that's what it yes. felt to me. Like she's got that Doctor Watson thing of actually realizing that she really likes all the adventure yeah. and all the crazy, and so she's going to dive right into it. But that's the thing is she's doing all of that while complaining about it all the time. But she gets to China. She's like, why am I here? And you're like, yeah, why are you here? Why? Why are you here? Yeah. And she's only there to have a so third person the for car. the heists. Mm. Like, that's it. Because they don't have anybody else to send with them because they're bad writers. Like, and they put on tons of characters that don't do anything or mean anything. You know, take Andrew Garfield kid with you or something. Like, do use some of these millions of characters that you just drop through the script for no good. Those three women that sell the drugs. Oh, right. Yeah, the drug reps. Right. That that was like a funny – do you remember on Scrubs when they had the episode about the drug reps and they're all like incredibly good-looking – that's a, there's a similar yeah. episodes in a lot of different yeah, shows. Yeah, all medical shows always have an episode about the drug reps coming to town. And, that, and Leverage did that too. Yeah, and, and that, I bring up Leverage in every episode of this podcast, I swear. Yeah, and the, and it was it just, all that did was call back to like more fun episodes of more fun TV where they talk about that stuff. I did think of Leverage a lot while I was watching Iron Fist because a lot of the corporate stuff, I was like, Leverage did this bit better. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the drug reps thing, like I, you could see that they were playing on a trope there. Mm. Yeah. But it just didn't go anywhere. Um, and again, that British girl who's really British didn't sound really British. Yeah. She sounded fake British. Like Louis Tan sounded right. fake British. Yeah. Um, and she was clearly the most charismatic of those three because she's the one who got, got the lines. Yeah, who got the lines and then got more scenes later. But uh, it's again that problem of like they have these interest- this interesting idea. I-, I felt like a lot of the time the cold opens were better than the episodes. Did you get that? They yes. were quite good. Yeah. Like quite often, like that karaoke bit. Karaoke where I was, was like, oh, this episode will be fun. Mm. And then it wasn't. <laughs> right. Like, there were a lot of cold opens that were quite good. Yeah. That and whole then the episode, show wasn't. Like, the, the rest of that episode is just one long, pointless fight scene where nothing happened. No, it isn't. It's like half an episode of just setup for the long fight scene. When Actually, no, that has the best, I think, the best moment of acting from Ward, which is when the head is on the pike. You know when he um, there's a head there's the head on the pike of the woman that of the yep, man that yep. Madame Gal killed and Danny just kind of doesn't react to it at all and Ward like physically oh, kind Ward of stumbles. Ward does one of the best double takes yeah. in television. He physically goes. Ah, ah. Yeah, that it's was really was, good. That was his best episode actually because I think isn't that the one where he kills his dad or in the next one? Uh-huh. But like that was that was around that time and he sees episode his dad. Seven is where he kills his dad. Yeah, yeah. It's the, right before that because he stab, he sees his dad cutting up the bodies. And yeah. it's so like he just can't cope with that. That and yeah. and there's so all this violence that he's just never had to encounter before, yeah. and he's really losing it. And you see it that he's had this white collar, fairly sheltered life, and now he's got to deal with it. Um, and yeah, and so Sh- there we go. Just sheltered. I mean, come episode on, most eight, people have not cold, had to deal with that. That's true. Episode eight, cold open, is the one where David Wenham wakes up in the yeah, pond. That's great. Yeah. And he wanders around and like his, the, the, does the whole happy zombie thing, which yeah, is yeah. really funny. And he tries to get the hot dog. Yeah, yeah. No, he's great. Exactly. It seems like he's having fun. So I think his scenes just are better because he at least is enjoying himself a little. Finn Jones maybe is taking it too seriously or something. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do really feel like they threw him in unprepared to be the lead. 
They did. Like, and he was not a good person to be. Like, it's not just they threw him in under, unprepared. He also doesn't have the, I don't know, press training. Or no, the, he hasn't had any of that. And he ha- and obviously has enough martial arts training. But he just, he kind of. Charm or charisma. Like, I, I actually really appreciate that they cast people who are not well known. That's a good thing that they do. But he's almost like too not well known. Like, you'd think of Charlie Cox's career before he did Daredevil. And he had like, he was in. Um, Stardust. Well, I was thinking um, that Brights had revisited, but he's done kind of stuff where he's the lead before. Yeah. So he understands um, what's required from him as the lead. And he also has like, he can back it up. He's got the presence. He's got the experience. He has, and just, they just seem to kind of pick this kid because he played a cute little twink in Game of Thrones for <laughs> half a season. And, and it, no, he no, six seasons. He was on that show for six seasons. That character gets killed off. In that, that was Renly. <laughs> Not Loris. Oh, well, anyway, <laughs> I only watched one he's season. In, he's of, in like 10 minutes of each season. It doesn't really Yeah, I, 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 I watched one season of that show and gave up. So, yeah, so he's in it for – he's not even in it at all very often. And the character that he plays compared to the character in the books who's meant to be charming and awesome, he's supposed to be – he's the, playing the brother of um what's-her-name's character, Um, you know. Marjorie Terrell. Yeah, yeah. Char- um, it's Natalie, Natalie Dormer. Dormer's character. So he's supposed to be charismatic and cool like her. He's not – and he, he just like where charisma goes to die. And he's yeah, they're woeful. They picked a guy, the wrong guy. He was woefully unprepared for this in every way. And just the show is that show. They didn't prepare for the show. I feel like it's just something fundamentally wrong has gone on in the somehow the setup to this show. Yeah, well, it's almost what it felt like when they finally did announce some stuff about it. It was like, oh right, they're making Iron Fist. It felt like at Marvel, perhaps somebody was going, oh right, we've got to make Iron Fist. Yeah. Have they just, I'm just have they started stretching themselves too thin? Yeah, doing well, too and, many and at the same time, yeah, and then coming straight on top of Doctor Strange, which is is quite similar but so <laughs> much better, similar. as we say. Yeah, um, they could have just, just used a bunch of sets from that. Right, on. right, <laughs> and the and yeah, you know, just recycle some, of, some stuff. It's the, fine. And yeah. the, borrowed the trainers and the stunt doubles and the, yeah. I just wonder how many of those kids that they had for the hand and stuff might have been actual martial artists because they weren't good actors. Oh yeah, um, like Logan. Yeah, like Logan, that's what I was thinking of. Um, but it kind of, like, oh, I just remembered there was another bit. where You know, when they fight in the rain, like, they go out of the undershelter uh-huh. yep. place to go out and fight in the rain. And I'm like, surely it would be more practical to just fight under shelter where you were a minute mm. ago. Plus, it looked good and now I can't see anything. But no, they're emotions. They have to fight emotionally in the rain. They have to have fight scenes in them almost dark because nobody can do the fighting. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, oh, and, oh, you know that bit when he actually goes to get the drug guy, um, Radovan, and um, it's the truck, the container yep. on the truck. Mm-hmm. And it's so obvious that there's something in that truck, by the way, because they do the three trucks and there's like a few boxes in front of yeah, a wall. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I've watched Leverage. But no, so he like, he walks into that truck, pushes a couple of boxes aside, walks in, and then has a conversation at a normal volume. With the guy in the truck, right? The drug guy, Radovan, the guy who makes the heroin. He's like, hey, how's it? <laughs> hey, who are you? And he's, you know, they have a chat. Yeah. And then they cut away, they cut back, and there's a guy sitting on the couch who only just notices at that moment that there's somebody else in the <laughs> container. And this is like, it's kind of that thing that we were talking about, how the scripts didn't come out, but this is almost like they didn't know what scene was happening next in mm. the first one. Like, it's so stupid. 
stupid. They they just they have this normal volume conversation. He didn't even notice there was somebody else in this truck. I know he was watching soccer, but please. Mm-hmm. And then he gets up and they start fighting and they use the fact that the truck is moving to keep them apart so that it doesn't look like mm-hmm. they're fighting too much. And then the most convenient stabbing in the history of all time happens where like out of nowhere, the guy just stabs Radovan in the chest out of no- like it really mm. there's no reason for that to be happening at that moment for and, the plot katie for, for the, the plot. plot this is yeah everything in this show is just like let's just get us there how are we gonna get there i don't know we'll fill that in later oh crap we're filming today what are we gonna what do? are we gonna do we're gonna have like seven scenes where you talk to all talk too much and yep. say exactly what you're feeling Quick but actors, they say exactly ad-lib. what they're feeling without yeah. feeling anything. No, or showing that they're feeling any of it. And there's there's this kind of a build, like Ward and Joy's relationship builds up, but Ward and Joy's relationship should not be such a big part of this show. Danny's not even in half the episodes. You know, it's like they knew that he was bad. And this is what I mean. Like, they just seem to, as they go along, suddenly realize, oh, no, we did not cast this well. Or suddenly realize, oh, we don't actually know what we're going to do with this storyline. Or like, or we've got a show about a guy who fights, starring a guy who can't fight. Yeah, it's a, it seems like they only realize this as they're going along, which is probably why the last three episodes are better than the previous nine episodes. Yeah. Like, or ten episodes. Like, they just sort of, as they go along, have to adjust to all of this stuff that's happening. It's kind of like it's- watching, like, there's a lot of TV shows that have done this. Yeah. But it's never a show that you binge watch that comes out in one chunk. No, it's a show that's like takes, you know, 10 of its 13, 10 of its 26 episodes to get going. It's not, yeah, not one of these. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's exactly what I mean. I've seen these shows where, like, the first few episodes are rough or the first season is rough, but then Mm. it gets better as it goes along, right? Yeah. Because they realize the things that they've done. But it feels like this did that. But, like, while in the middle of filming something that should have been more filmed more like a movie. It's so odd. Yes. And and a lot of those things, like Warden Joy's relationship starts to kind of make more sense later on and, mm. and uh, Harold's motivation starts to make more sense as the show mm. goes along and all this sort of stuff kind of picks up t- right at the end. The episode where Madame Gal just talks to everybody is a great episode where she's just manipulating everybody, yeah. right? Like that is a ba- – it's basically a, a bottle episode almost, like that it's just them in the room. But because she's so good and she's just playing everybody, it works so much better yeah. than anything else. And it is just sitting around talking. Yeah, and that actually works. And also the things she's talking about largely don't really apply to the characters all that much. Mm. <laughs> like she's supposed to be getting into their heads, but you're like, this is not based on anything I know about these people up to this point. It's their, their way of expositioning in character yeah. development. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, she's like, oh, Claire wishes she was special. And I'm like, based on what history of this? This is something to me that came out of nowhere. Claire never seemed to want to have special powers up until Madame Gao said it, right? She seemed to think it was a curse on pretty much everyone who has special powers. Yeah, yeah. and she and just now wanted she's to help before. wants to be in... In the in on the adventures, which kind of ties into the running off to China with these people she barely knows, right? But this is this is motivation that comes out of nowhere. This isn't motivation that she's had before. Before it's always been about helping people. It's always been about like helping people that other people couldn't or wouldn't help. Yeah, you know that's what Claire was about, and it's also she's also like she wants to protect a lot of people. She wants to she values every life, and she wants to help as many people as she can. And you see that. At least that train is still there. Mm. But that seems to have been why she helped Luke and Matt, especially Matt, because, God, he's so bad. He just gets himself into these, you know, deadly mm. situations constantly. And, and unlike the others, he um, is constantly getting hurt. 
Um, yeah. Although Luke Th- has been hurt a surprising number of t- times considering he's invulnerable. They, I think they were trying to go at that with um, with Danny as well. Like he just kept yeah. running off to do stupid shit. Well, no, but-, but because you didn't like him, you're just like, oh, my God, stop running off and being a dickhead. But you know why Matt does that. Yes. We understand we don't every know why single Danny time. Does even that. when I'm really pissed at Matt, which I was until this. But like even when I'm so mad at him, I know why he's doing it. Right? Like I understand exactly where Matt's coming from all the time. He's the like parkour martyr who, who you know, martyrs himself for everything. And like if there's a situation where somebody innocent is in danger, then of course Matt's going to go in because his life is worth less than that other person's. Yeah. Why is Danny doing it? We don't get any of that from him. We don't have, like, the Catholic guilt. We don't have all the complexes. We don't have the, like, and and we know he was abused as a child, but we don't see it like we see it with Matt all the time. Mm. We know exactly what happened to Matt when he was a kid because we see it. We've seen it. And And when he talks about it, I feel it with those, you know, giant vulnerable eyes that he has. And, like, he he emotes. (laughs) Danny talks about it and he'll start crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? This clearly didn't happen to you. It feels like he's just telling a story he heard when he was a kid. I I miss Matt. I'm really looking forward to Defenders just to see Matt again. God, I'm so hopeless. I, yeah, I'm also looking forward to Defenders in terms of seeing how Iron Fist changes or doesn't change. Fits in with the rest of them too. Well, I'm interested in seeing where Jessica's at yeah, after I a while. Yeah, I see Jessica again. She's like, yeah. She's my favorite. She, I like Jessica... And like um, we talked about this before, but I like Jessica, but not the show around her, isn't like <laughs> yeah. I, I like the characters around her are pretty weak. I know you guys like Jerry, that's fine, and and she did she was a lot better on this show than everybody else around her. But um, that's not hard. But like I, you know, there's incest neighbor and and uh, a lot of other people that just don't register. Like if I saw those guys again, I'm, I'd be like, oh, oh yeah, that that person was on one of the shows. And then Luke Cage had, like, again, a good supporting cast with Misty and Cottonmouth and Mariah, but I didn't think Matt Coulter was very good, although he's better than Finn Jones. Well, yeah, and he's actually – at least he has charisma. He may not be the strongest yeah. actor, but he has yeah, the exactly. presence. He's, I found him more watchable. I would yeah. just tune out when Finn Jones was on screen. I don't even want to watch his face. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't care about you at all. I found this show very, very hard to watch just because I would – It didn't even I would watch, good. like, 20 minutes of a show and go – no, no, I'm bored. I'm going to watch something else. Uh, if I just got kept like finding myself looking at something on my phone and being like, yeah. shit, i got to pay attention. i got to review this. I know. There was a whole episode um, somewhere around seven. I think it was episode seven where I only half paid attention for – it was seven because when Ward killed Harold, I was like, oh, that's finally happening. But like I was barely paying attention up until that point and I didn't even notice I was doing it. I just couldn't. Um, but it didn't even look good. It no. didn't even like – there wasn't anything visually arresting about the show that made me want to, like, look at it. Yep. I didn't want to look at Luke Cage. I just sort of had it on on the side and didn't do you look. Mean, do you mean Iron Fist? Or? Yeah, I meant Iron Fist. Um, at least the other ones looked good. Yeah. Didn't have anything going for it. it nothing about yep. the show. And as someone who likes to watch a lot of bad television with bad actors and bad scripts... This doesn't even have anything going for it. Like, nothing. It's the, the, if a, if you're wanting to watch a bad TV show, it has to be fun in yeah. some yeah, way. Yeah, no. It, well, it's got to be so, movies, so. It's got to yeah. be so bad it's good. And it's but not. It's, not. it's, it's just, just so bad. It's just so boring. It's just boring. It's boring. Yeah, it's, that's the cardinal there's, sin. There's no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Like, the very end, kind of. And, like, I guess... I didn't even setup. find the end interesting. 
I found it I was more... just like, oh, thank God, it's over. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, believe me, I was like, oh, thank God, it's over. But I was definitely more engaged by the end, um, which yeah. did have a lot to do. I, I think it did, like, Ward was more engaging. Claire was in it a lot more. Claire helped so much. She helped so much. Like, I actually quite liked the 12th episode. with the. That's where the fight under the bridge thing with Bakaru and... Um, um, Bakudo. Bakudo, sorry. Bakaru is from Bakudo something else. Bakudo and Davos. Bakudo and Davos. Because I like those two. And yeah, then, they're good. Um, I mean, as much as I like David Wenham and, and his stuff, I liked that second last but episode. That, but David Wenham and there was took a, a long time to build and it yeah. didn't really work all the time. Whereas Bakudo, you knew where he was coming from. Davos, you knew where he was coming from. Yeah. Both of them should have been introduced much earlier in the piece. Yes. Um, and they were both pretty charismatic actors who were good looking. <laughs> so mm. it was easy to watch. Like I found as soon as they were in the show, I found myself drifting back towards the show a lot more. Yes. Like just to to look at them and, and to see what they were doing with the scenes. Um, both of them. Bakudo was like he kind of – um, you knew he was shifty really early. It wasn't like it was a secret, but mm. he just had – he kind of had a lot more of the energy that, that it seemed like Danny was trying to have, that kind of, like, calm sensei like, yeah. energy, had, right? But if Danny had the calm sensei thing, then none of his motivations for doing anything would make any sense whatsoever. Right, because he's he's alternately, like, really is. unnecessarily angry with people so how is, and breaking into yeah. people's houses and doing all yeah. the stupid things. It doesn't make sense that, the, like, the best fighter, the most well-trained monk uh, is uh, the Iron Fist. Yeah. It's such a hothead. Yeah, it makes yeah, no it makes, sense whatsoever. Sense. Um, also that's, that's also interesting because, like, Sorry, um, but like um, if you play Avengers Academy, mm. the Iron Fist in that do. is like a surfer kind of dude, yeah. which is what I thought they were trying to do, especially which with the way Finn Jones looks. Start. Yeah, exactly. But like, and that would have made more sense. And then they should have cast somebody like the um, Rodrigo, Ramon Rodriguez, who played um, Bakudo, who had that, had that energy down pat. He was great, like with that kind of energy, you know. Mm. And then, and then when it turned around, even then, he was still always kind of chill and charming. Yeah. Even when he was manipulating people and angry with people and fighting with people, and that was mm. much more what I thought they should have had for Luke. Yeah, for now, I, in my head Danny. now, um, I, Iron Fist is now um, Patrick Swayze from Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. That's how it just like that's perfect. <laughs> you were going to say something. Uh, oh, I was going to say. So it was after I finished watching the show, I um, did a little bit of research into some of the characters because mm. I wanted to know how different it was from the comics and. Davos is really quite different in terms of his setup mm. because in the comics he attempts to become the dragon fist and fails and he's sort of like a half dragon fist. He gets like half, half a tattoo. Sorry, iron fist. Yes, thank you. <laughs> dragon. <laughs> I know, the but dragon. that's the thing. This is so forgettable that we keep calling well, also, I was also and I was also thinking, oh, cool. There's like other fists you can be. You could be the dragon fist or the iron fist. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And Davos in... The original, he's like he's a native of Kunlun. Mm. I think he was in this too because yeah, they talk about seeing his dad doing naked. Yeah, something. <laughs> I remember he was naked. Are they supposed to be celibate? How does he have? He was no, he wasn't having sex. He was like doing his. No, but how did his dad conceive him? If he was... no, I think only the monks are. So his dad was oh, like a native right, of Kunlun right. who's not a monk because there's clearly right. other people in the town. Okay. But who knows? Because we know nothing about it. Yeah. So um, clearly, the native accent of Kunlun is British. <laughs> right? so, well, no, from the north, not the just north. British. He's northern. <laughs> yeah, but and then so you kind of get this whole um, battle between the he's the he's he's from Kunlun 
but he failed to be the Iron Fist. And mm. then there's this outsider yeah. who's become the Iron Fist. You and could really You can actually it. understand why motivation. He, he has yeah. this motivation that yeah. he really doesn't like Dan- and he ba- abandons it and all that sort of stuff. Whereas this, it just, it, it's weird that he's just like, why did you leave? You left me. I'm so sad. You should go. Yeah. Now you must die. Yeah. yeah. I loved you. Why did you leave me? Yeah. It's <laughs> very much like that. Yeah. yeah. It, which is, that's kind of the story that Mordo has in, um, yeah. in Doctor Strange. I've been here. I've been training for so many years and so, somehow this outsider comes in and he's better than me. And like, it is that white savior thing and both yeah. of those guys are POCs. Like the best now, way to do that would be to lean all the way in on it and just be like, you should not be able to do this. You had all the privilege. You had all the money. You had all of the power. And you come over here and you take this from me as well. Yeah. Like, this is not fair. What's that? Give a bad guy... Well, as someone with, like, motivations as to why they're doing bad mm. things to the characters that you like or whatever? Don't be crazy. That's ridiculous. <laughs> There's a moment when... when oh, who is, it, who is he talking to? Um... Bakudo, he's talking to Bakudo, who was clearly manipulating him, to be fair. Like, this wasn't a real kind of statement. But he says to him, I'm a billionaire. And Bakudo goes, is that how you really feel? And I'm like, bitch, it doesn't matter what he feels like. He has a billion dollars. Like, he can feel whatever the fuck he wants with a billion dollars. doesn't matter if he has a license. He's rich. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's what I mean. Like, they they need to lean into that, like, more, you know. If they're going to do it, go all in. Don't hedge your bets with everything. There's there's a moment you were talking about the background acting. There's a moment when two somebody's talking to Danny and literally Claire's in the background, and she does the biggest reaction of it, like this huge bitch please look right in the background of this shot that's completely distracting from anything in the main shot. Mm. It's really funny, but she yeah, Rosario Dawson wipes the floor with everybody else. You know she just is so much better. She's so much better than everybody else, and she's reading these lines that are garbage like. She's believed in them her whole life. And she'll do this thing where like that. And when I was talking to you about like, she suddenly feels like she wants to be special or whatever. She will sell the hell out of that scene. And I'm like, um, a week ago, she clearly didn't feel this way. But in that, in that moment, in that scene, Rosario Dawson is selling it. She is feeling it. She is absolutely killing it. Acting. Yeah, acting. yeah she does. She is acting. All of those times where she does things where she just... You, she wouldn't do like when uh, after Colleen and Danny have gotten together for the first time and she has to say things like I can see it written all over your face (laughs) you can't see anything written all over their faces no you can't but she says it with great conviction absolute conviction I I think Colleen's a good person she says because the script tells her to (laughs) like you know and she'll sells it completely she's like yeah she's my friend based on nothing we're best friends you know like well, they hang out just, a few times i know but that's what i mean like she, and that's the problem with claire in every one of these shows like also claire knows who can beat the hand why doesn't she just give mad a call well right? they also they know that the guys have guns up in um up at david <laughs> wenham's know. office wouldn't it be hair ha- he's I not they even say he's, the bulletproof he's not bulletproof. <laughs> Gee, wouldn't it be helpful if they knew a bulletproof no, guy? No, he's in jail. They can't. Luke's right. in jail. Yeah, they yeah. can't use Luke. Um, no, that's They convenient. could use Jess. <laughs> Joy knows Jess. Actually, speaking of leaning into unfair bits, the bit where um, they <laughs> where um, Jerry finds him at the end and she's like, as an officer of the court, I've got to tell you, you should turn yourself in. And, and because you're a, you're a billionaire and whatnot, you've got flight risk written all over you, so you probably end up in jail for like six months. And Rosario Dawson's character makes a crack about the justice system and she's obviously yeah. thinking about Luke, but it's not they, they don't quite sell it hard enough. 
Yeah, there's a bit where Joy talks about how she hired a PI. Yeah, yeah. She was like, she was great, except for when she was drunk and she's clearly talking about Jessica. Mm. Um, Why not call Jess? Why not call Matt? Neither of them's in jail. They can easily help out here. But no, because it's Iron Fist's show. And clearly having one of them in would like completely steal the show from him. Because as soon as they come in, you're like, who's going to watch Iron Fist when you've got um, Daredevil and Jessica Jones here? (laughs) Nobody. Nobody's going to choose that. But yeah, there's no reason why Claire wouldn't call them. There's no reason why Claire wouldn't. There's no kind of Mm. point to that. She's just, she comes into these shows because she's contractually obliged to and they want continuation. But if you look at her character journey through the whole thing, she's always like got this optimistic, world-weary, sassy thing going on. But her character motivations just wander vaguely to fit her in, right? Luke Cage, it's because she's hot for Luke. Whereas, like, Jessica Jones, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And here, she again, she seems to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I'll go to China with you. I just, I still don't believe that Claire Temple would go to China with them. It doesn't, it's not the Claire Temple that I know. The Claire Temple that I know is not going to go on a plane to China to try and fight people. It's okay. They didn't actually leave the tarmac. It's fine. <laughs> I know. But this is, like, it's it's not her. She's just there's there also because the a, script tells a her A plot to be. hole around the plane in that the episode before, the board has voted to get rid of the Meachams and Danny, but Danny's still using the Rand plane whenever he wants just to fly off to China. Oh, yeah, the, oh there's plot holes even, in Iron Fist. The plot holes. <laughs> they didn't even seem to make... Like any connection between them getting rid of Danny and the rest, of and the them. rest of them, it was no, all about. It was the- just about getting rid of the Meachams. Yeah, yeah. And even Danny's- though they had gotten rid of Danny, apparently. Well, but they because they couldn't sell his share. Like he, he was still the shareholder, but they could get him out of the company. I don't know. He just didn't care. There no, was no, no. He never didn't put up a fight. Because he was just like his uh-huh, storyline's totally separate from that. Yeah. yeah. His storyline has nothing to do with that. They only do that to keep the Meachams involved somehow. Yeah. It's it's like when they also when they voted them out like this is another thing that happens a lot in the show but every so often something would happen and you'd be like wait what why when did that happen where did this come from and that one of those was kicking the Meachams off the um out of the company where like the guy walks in and he's like oh by the way we kicked you out and you're like what what when did that happen well I was expecting that to happen because I was like these they're clearly like not coping and evil mm. and he's a drug addict the board is going to well, try and kick them Joy's out Joy's not evil. Yeah, but she's not evil. But and you, it's kind of like that's how these sort of old people on the board. That's how they treat these kids. But why didn't they do it? Like I didn't see it ten years ago. Yeah, uh, that's what no, I, like. It, like I saw it coming, but I saw it oh. coming kind of with Ward. But I thought they would just have like a struggle where like they want to kick Ward out, but Joy would stand up. I didn't even know they could kick those three guys out that quickly, that easily, without them being there. Mm, they, They're clearly yeah. running the company. How does that make? any sense also why has nobody changed a combination since the death because they Harold didn't know Meacham? it was there they didn't know the safe was no, there but there's oh, not just a he, sa- he actually in. walks into a door Ward's, and he says ward's birthday out and loud. it still hasn't changed the combination in For 13 ward's years For, why is your combination so shitty as well <laughs> like as if people couldn't just google ward meacham what's his birthday let's try that yeah and all the the Pitting the Meacham kids against each other, which never really played. Like where he was like, oh, did I back the wrong child in this fight? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because like there's no there's no reason for a lot of these things. They just do it because there's a, there's a moment when he's on the roof with Danny and he's like, oh, there was a moment when we were on the roof years ago with your dad and I just wanted to push him off. No reason. Just one of those things. And I'm like, that's how they wrote this whole script. Why did they do this? I don't know. No reason. Just one of those things. Yeah. I'm just evil. So they've written the few dot points for the episode and they're like, 
wait, we have to do so much more to feel this episode <laughs> out. Ugh, yeah, let's just... everybody can have conversation about their feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I like emotional, honest conversations about feelings. Look at the look at Nelson keyword versus that, keyword. They're honest. Look at Nelson versus Murdoch. But honest emotional conversations are not the same as blurting out every single thing you are thinking no, like some kind of automaton. That's what I mean. Like you're talking about conversations about your feelings. Conversations about your feelings are great when people have feelings to converse about, and when like the script is. Well written. Nelson versus Murdoch is the mo- is the emotional linchpin of season one of Daredevil, mm. and it's just two guys talking about their feelings. But like that's because we've had a a build up to that moment where we've experienced their friendship and care about these people. B we've had this major kind of incident happen that has triggered this, and C we know who they are as individuals as well as together, right? And it's well written and well acted. That's D and E or wherever I'm up to. But like you get here, it's like, oh, I feel this thing because I feel it because the script said so. You don't get to have any background in why I feel this. There's no build up to this whatsoever. I'm going to tell you that I feel it and then it won't affect the plot going forward. What happened to Colleen's cage fighting? No one knows. No one cares. (laughs) Where did that storyline go? Where did it come from? Let's do something with Colleen. I know. Let's have her set, set, uh, um, cage fighting. Okay. Mm-hmm. No one knows. No one cares. It's just filler. It's just filler for the episode. It's not even really part of her character motivation for anything. And they have so much filler in this show and so little happens. It yeah. really is. They could have compacted this entire season into like two episodes. It could have been a movie. It could have been mm. a movie length episode. Nah. That would and be- you would have missed nothing. Nope. You would have gotten all the main points. It would have, they Even would- that wouldn't be very interesting. No, but it would have been over <laughs> no, but it- <laughs> a lot faster. Uh, but it also could have had a coherent storyline. You know, there would have been, uh, like, you could, you could have put it together in such a way that you'd, have, you know, watched it and enjoyed yourself. Mm-hmm. I think we're done on this one, don't you? I'm eating a yep. cookie. Katie's eating a cookie. I'm tired. and I, I think, don't think we've said it's I think we've bad s- 10 we- different ways. I think so, Yeah. I just want to make it very clear as to why it's really bad. Long story short, if you've gotten to this point in the con- podcast, please do not watch this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you've already watched it, we're sorry. Yeah. I know some people liked it. I've talked to people who liked it. I don't understand why. I, I've talked to people but who I've also, didn't hate it. I've also yeah. talked to people who liked the new Justice League trailer, and I don't understand that either. So, Yeah. I, yeah, I think there's some people who don't hate it, um, but... Mm, no, but I don't, I don't think anyone's going to love this mo- this show. No, it's not going to be anyone's favorite. It's not going to be memorable. It's perfectly skippable. Yeah, all I want to do is just rewatch Dead. There isn't any. One. There isn't even any like major overarching plot points for the Marvel universe as a whole. But yeah, and I don't just don't feel like I don't see how it's going to fit in like, when we there care aren't so little. <laughs> any real major develops developments with the hand, like at the end, Gal's probably still back to being the boss. Like, Undoubtedly. Well, that was weird too because oh, yeah, Gao again is just doing whatever this plot feels like her doing. She's like, oh, I'll just stay here in jail for a couple of weeks just because. No she's, reason. I need a rest. I feel chilling. like it. She wants a holiday. Well, when you've lived as long as Gao has, you're just like, eh, what's two weeks in jail? But that's the thing is that that's not within the character that we know of her. Yep. That doesn't make any sense for what we know about Madame Gao, who is – ruthless and manipulative and makes her own choices and in she's independent mm. like for her to sit in a jail for two weeks just because she wants to have a chat with danny especially as everyone else has escaped well, maybe she left for a while and then came back knowing danny was going to come that day 
<laughs> she was just having a cup of tea down the road. She was following him, yeah. And then she was like, oh, damn, I better go in there. Remember when we didn't think she spoke English? Oh, yeah. And then she spoke English. I remember that. I think the thing with gout is that, and with the hand in general, is that they hold so many secrets about who Gao is and what her motivations are for so many things that it doesn't quite make sense as to why she's doing what she's doing. Well, they're holding all those secrets in this show, it seems, just so that they can have her do what they want. So that she's still around to be convenient for the plot. Well, it's because they don't know any of the secrets. Mm. (laughs) No. Crane mother. She's the crane mother. That's why her hair is so big. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. It's always time for a Mean Girls quote. Yep. Okay, let's be done. All right, let's wrap this up. Thank you, Jamie, for coming along talking about Iron Fist with us. I'm sorry we made you watch it. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm glad it's over. (laughs) Who would have watched it anyway? No, I would have watched the first two episodes. Been gone. Nope. Mm, nope. <laughs> and if you have got to this point in the podcast and that's all you've seen, eh, if you get to the end of it, you get to the end of it. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find the show notes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we are facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens at screen underscore queens on Twitter and tumblr.silverscreenqueens on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.